Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and you are listening to the Justin Harvey Show. Yeah! Hi, I'm Cynthia Rothrock, the Lady Dragon, and you're listening to Justin Harvey on the Justin Harvey Show. Hi, this is Bruce Hart of the Hart Foundation, brother of Brett the Hitman Hart and the late great Owen Hart, and you're listening to my good buddy Justin Ray Harvey. Hope you're enjoying the show and all the best to all the fans out there. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special wrestling edition of the Justin Harvey Show. And I want to um, bring back uh, who I consider to be a good friend of mine who is uh, very gentle and kind and, in my mind, legendary. I want to bring back Bruce Hart to the show. Welcome, Bruce. Thanks, Justin. Nice to be back. Uh, hope everything has been going well for you. It's been a while, and I always enjoy talking to you. Uh, things are ac- actually great, Bruce. Um, one, one of the main reasons I wanted to do this uh, show tonight with you is um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to share a story with you that I thought was uh, very touching and, and kind of kind of funny in a way. Um, I actually, a few weeks ago, got to live my dream and um, meet the legendary um, superstar wrestler, uh, McFoley. He came to my town, and um, he actually, um, he actually, he bought me dinner, ladies and gentlemen. But the funny part is, uh, um, we did not get to eat our dinner because by the time the bar had it finished, it was time for make to hit the stage. So I wanted to share that with you, Bruce, and I made sure and let him know that I actually knew you and stuff, too. Oh, that's good. Nice guy, Mick. I uh, I believe he's coming to Calgary in September, so I'm mm-hmm. uh, scheduled to hook up with him. And uh, a genuinely nice guy, Mick Foley, always pretty down-to-earth and uh, very uh, kind of warm and friendly gentleman, you know, so I, uh, I have high respect for Mick. Oh, 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 absolutely, but, like, my, one of my first comments was, you know, I was like, I know Bruce Hart, he's he's really awesome, and, and you know, Mick, Mick really enjoyed that, and uh, actually, um, Mick actually, uh, he said at some point he's going to actually come on my radio show, which I thought was great. So. Oh, that's good. I, I know I did a radio show uh, back in May. It was mm-hmm. the 15th anniversary of my brother Owen's unfortunate death in uh, Kansas City. And uh, we did a radio show uh, commemorating that. And we had a bunch of Owen's mm-hmm. friends on there, including Mick Foley and uh, Jeff Jarrett and a few others. You know, so it was... Had a, had a real nice uh, opportunity to talk about Owen and just share 
some old stories with Mick and Jeff Jarrett and uh, Deborah McMichael and uh, quite a few others. So it was it was, it was pretty cool, you know, just uh, mm-hmm. talking to those people, you know, and uh, just renewed my uh, high regard for those guys. You know, just very nice, genuine people. You know, so mm-hmm. did you ever get a chance, uh, Justin, to? Uh, talk to Jeff Jarrett, or he's down in your neck of the woods. So I didn't know that he, he seemed like a very nice gentleman. Mm-hmm. Oh. Did you ever uh, get a chance to uh, talk to him or hook, hang out with him or anything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how, how do you find him? Um, that that would be that would be great, Bruce. And also, Bruce, I. I have a surprise for you, and well, actually, it's a it's a surprise and a proposal. Actually, I've got a friend that is a promoter at the bar that I met Nick Foley at, and what I would like to do is I would like to try to um, pass your information so that maybe y'all can work a deal to where you can get paid to make an appearance in West Virginia. Yeah, sure, I'd. Uh... I know we have a few good friends down there in West Virginia. I think you probably know some of them, Richie Acevedo and mm-hmm. some of those guys. So uh, mm-hmm. it would be uh, it would be a thrill and a you know an honor to try to get down there. And I'd very much like to meet you in person. You know, he sounds like such a nice guy. You know, and I uh, I uh, have a great deal of respect. For you, you have a great deal of passion for what you do, and uh, I, uh, I'd love to get a chance to meet you in person, though, sometime, you know, and just kind of, uh, you know, uh, get down to your neck of the woods and uh, hang out a bit, you know, if, uh, get some of those other guys, Richie Acevedo, and quite a few others I hear of that are apparently down in that area so uh it would be that would be a pleasure for me to get down and hook up with you guys sometime oh oh absolutely bruce and um you, you know how how's um how's uh bruce jr doing is he doing any wrestling training what's going on with him yeah he and um my other son Torin, uh mm-hmm. both are doing uh, quite well you know i uh uh, talent-wise, they really, you know, become, you know, excellent. You know, they've really started showing some really great potential. I, uh, I'm just sort of waiting to see what transpires in the next little while. You know, I think they uh, they could become big stars if they, uh, you know, maybe went to uh, one of the bigger promotions, you know. I'm just mm-hmm. sort of seeing what happens. I'm, I'm not thrilled with some of the stuff happening in WWE lately. I would like to see more mm-hmm. more wrestling and a little less emphasis on some of the silly stuff and the non-wrestling stuff, you know. So, And mm-hmm. uh, my old friend Jeff Jarrett is apparently starting up a new promotion and sometime in the next few months, I'm told. So I'm waiting to see how that looks, you know, in the next little while. You know, I um, I hear he's got some uh, 
some backers from NASCAR and maybe some country music type people, and um, mm-hmm. so I'm waiting to see if that starts, uh, you know, developing into something. You know, I'd, ha- I'd be happy to see that. And uh, if such was the case, maybe uh, my my sons could go down there. You know, they they'd be the first uh, legitimate third generation heart. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a few other third generations, but they're not actually hearts, like uh, Natalia, who's a knight heart, and uh, Harry, who's uh, uh, Davy Boy Smith's son, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. Teddy, whose uh, real name is Ted, Ted Anus, you know, so he's, uh, but no, there actually hasn't been a third generation heart yet, you know, uh, mm-hmm. so I'd be uh, kind of excited about that if it possibly materializes some mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah maybe I'll try to get them down to uh, your neck of the woods sometime Justin and maybe uh, have them uh, you know if there's any shows down there maybe we'll try to arrange something but what, what's uh, happening on the wrestling scene down in in your part of the country now Justin um well, uh, some some things are uh, some things are really going on. I mean, maybe not as what big as what you're used to, but um, my my buddy is actually um, he's actually throwing me um, a birthday party at the um, at the bar on September 13th because um, I wanted to make sure that you know all my friends could try to make it because my birthday is on the 11th because of, of August of, of August. Uh, of uh, uh, September, so oh. he's got me. Um, he's got me um, tickets to some wrestling show that's coming to Fayetteville. He's got me front row seats, so I'll, I'll be at that event. And I think AJ Styles from TNA is going to be there. Well, that's so. good. Yeah, he's he's a, a nice guy, AJ. He's wrestled up here for us. In the mm-hmm. past, and uh, nice person, AJ, and uh, as you probably uh, and you most of your listeners know, very, very good wrestler. You know, he's one of the uh, best independent. You know, one of the guys on the. Hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, sure. Yes. You got another phone ringing there. Oh, that's just Alston. Uh, my uh, my family's got that line, Bruce. So. Okay, yeah, yeah. AJ Styles, a uh, he's one of the best guys going. That's not in the WWE already. You know, he. I've often wondered, you know, why he hadn't gone there yet. Because he's very uh, good talent. You know, I'm sure he'd be a, a comparable to a Daniel Bryan and a CM Punk if he ever went to the WWE and they decided to uh, use him, mm-hmm. you know, he'd be, I think he's got a lot of, uh, a lot of talent, and he's, seems like a very uh, decent stand-up guy, too, you know, he's got a lot of integrity, so I, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, uh, if you get a chance to uh, meet AJ, please stay, please say hi to him for me, Justin, and uh, give him my very best regards, uh, I have great deal of respect for him as a person and as a wrestler. So. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I, I sure will, Bruce, because, like, um, I'll give you an example, Bruce. It's like I, I saw... I saw Brett um, on TV at WrestleMania this year, and I immediately, actually, I immediately thought of you and and, and wondered, you know, what you thought of uh, WrestleMania this year. Um, I'm sort of mixed about it. I thought some of the matches were uh, were pretty good, you know, and um, mm-hmm. uh, some of the others didn't live up to what I expected, you know, but uh, which ones did you like the best, Justin? Oh, it's it's, it's hard to choose. It's it's really hard to choose. It, it really is. But here, here's my biggest question for you, Bruce, and, uh, and then I'll give you my thoughts. Um, what do you think of Brock Lesnar winning over the streak? I, I myself, I know that Brock is popular with some people, but I think that they could have given it to somebody that, and I'm sorry for saying this, but I think they could have given it to somebody that could have been more deserving of, you know, the Undertaker streak. Yeah. Quite honestly, I was very surprised to see the streak end. You know, I, I don't know whether it was fact or fiction or speculation or legitimate, but I heard mm-hmm. that you know, and you probably heard that same story that I heard that The Undertaker was actually supposed to extend his streak, and then uh, I was told that he injured his neck and was mm-hmm. quite, uh, they were quite worried about he perhaps broke his neck, so they uh, had to prematurely end the match. I don't know if that was true or not. I still don't quite know, but... um as I said before, I would have, all things considered, uh, perpetuated the streak because just out of respect for uh, Mark Calloway or The Undertaker, and uh, I tend to agree, you know, I, I could see where there would be a lot of, you know, kind of misgivings or second thought by a lot of the fans about Brock Lesnar beating The Undertaker, given that. Brock Lesnar is only a part-time performer, seems to wrestle maybe once or twice a year, and uh, a lot of the other wrestlers sort of resent the fact that he doesn't seem to even be a you know, full-time member of the roster, you know, so you know, that said, it was kind of maybe undeserving that he is the guy who defeats, you know, Taker, you know, there was a lot of other guys, I think, that are far more maybe deserving if you were going to have somebody end the streak, you know, maybe somebody like Kane or maybe Cena or uh, even Triple H or one of those guys if uh, if they, in fact, were, you know, bent mm-hmm. on uh, ending the streak. I would have thought it would have been somebody that was a full-time roster member who maybe... Uh, had some history with Taker as well, you know, I would have thought that would have been more appropriate. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what uh, what transpired there, or I still don't know, as I said before, whether it was, uh, you know, an accident where he maybe did get hurt and they had to kind of 
change plan and end the match prematurely. That was one of the stories I heard. You may have heard that same one, but uh, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I uh, I thought that uh, Undertaker deserved uh, to go out on his terms, you know, and I'd like to hear, you know, whether. Uh, he was uh, in su- supportive or in agreement with the way things transpired there. You know, I um, it'd be interesting if you were able to get him on your radio show, Justin, and uh, ask him. You know, if you uh, perhaps you could extend an invitation to him to come on the uh, the radio and uh, mm-hmm. and perhaps. Uh, some perspective from him on what actually happened there, whether he was, in fact, uh, supportive of the uh, the outcome there. You know, um, he's a very nice guy too, Mark Calloway, the Undertaker. So, I would think if you're able to get a hold of him, Justin, he may well uh, mm-hmm. agree to come on your show. You know, you could mention to him that you're a friend of the Hart family because he was very close. To our family, you know, uh, very close to Owen and Breton. I've known him for well over 25 years, so since the late 80s, you know. So, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd I'd like to hear myself what maybe transpired there, whether that was uh, the actual intended outcome or whether there was some. Uh, last-minute uh, change of plans because he was injured or whether there was uh, what what the, uh, you know, what the whole rationale to having him get beef, you know. And as I said before, I, I'm not certain that Brock Lesnar was uh, appropriate to be the uh, guy who ended the streak, you know, given his part-time status and I think a lot of the other wrestlers maybe resented that he perhaps hadn't paid his so-called dues like uh, so many of the others did, you know. So, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, why don't you try to invite him on your show sometime, Justin? I I wouldn't be surprised if he he would agree to come on and uh, and uh, talk with you, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, a very nice guy. If you get a chance to talk to Mark, uh, very. Uh, I'm sure you've heard mm-hmm. nothing but nice things about him outside the ring. Anyway, he's got a very, uh, you know, exceptional reputation amongst the wrestlers themselves as being mm-hmm. a very uh, stand-up and uh, decent person. You know, so one of the most respected guys in the business. Uh, I've never heard too many people say anything. But nice things about uh, the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've I've heard the same thing, Bruce. And uh, uh, if let's say, for example, I wanted to ask you this: if if Vince McMahon calls you today and says uh, we want you to work with WWE, come on Raw or something like that, would you do it? Um, I guess it would have to, you know, obviously certain. Mm-hmm. Things would have to we'd have to discuss, um, 
I have a great deal of passion for uh, the wrestling business still, and uh, I have, uh, you know, I, I'm very uh, aware that the WWE is, you know, the uh, the big show where you know they're where it's at, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, at the same time, I. I I honestly believe I have a lot of uh, a lot more to offer than most people, if only because I uh, I was a booker and a trainer and a wrestler for uh, over 25 years and uh, attained quite a bit of success. You know, you've heard of many of the guys that I uh, that came out of Stampede. They all came out during the time that I was the booker and the the uh, main person operating it at that time, you know, so all those names like Owen and Davey and Dynamite and Pillman and Benoit and all them came out during that time, so by that token, I I feel like I've got a, a pretty pretty decent track record, you know, and I... Uh, I still have a great deal of passion and respect for the wrestling business. And, uh, you know, if I could do anything that enhanced the wrestling business, I would be uh, happy, you know. So if WWE were to call me, and I'm certainly not uh, holding my breath or anything like that, you know, but uh, I have no doubt that I uh, could do... uh, Hell of a lot better job than uh, than what's being done right now with the uh, mm-hmm. you know I, I'm frustrated with some of the uh, dynamics or the uh, things that transpire down there because uh, I'll see a storyline that's really good every now and then I'll see something that makes a great impression on me some of the stuff with Daniel Bryan and all I thought was very good and. Mm-hmm. And then all too often I see uh, some complete nonsense with, uh, you know, the divas or the uh, silly stuff with Fandango and the, or the Heath Slaters or the uh, some of the other just crap, you know, with uh, Hornswoggle and El Burrito and all this other stuff, you know, and uh, it's... Uh, it frustrates you that they're, uh, you know, uh, either not um, respecting the business. Like a lot of when they do some of that stuff, it it's reflective of lack of respect for the business. And uh, my dad always used to tell me, if you if you don't respect yourself, then how the hell can you expect anyone else to respect you? And, when I see some of that stuff or that nonsense with Damien Sandow coming out as an astronaut or as a, you know, uh, George Washington or something like that, it's, to me it's, uh, it's, not, it's not even funny or it's not clever or anything. It's just crap, you know. And, uh, so, uh, do, do you think that's because the WWE is um, finally at the stage where they're actually running out of creative ideas on what they can do with storylines and, and wrestling? 
my own belief, Justin, I don't know if this is, you know, uh, my my uh, guess or speculation would be that there's too many cooks in the kitchen, there's too many people that are, uh, you know, it seems to me if you have a, a serious angle, like say maybe the thing they're trying to do with Cena and Brock Lesnar or maybe mm-hmm. some of the stuff that they were doing with, say, Randy Orton and, uh, you know, Kane and stuff like that. It seems like it's pretty serious and intense and convincing, you know, you could believe it. Mm-hmm. And then they go out and contradict and they compromise the uh, result of that with some nonsense like Damian Sandow coming out as an astronaut or having that Adam Rose go come up to the ring and with a bunch of uh, it's like some kind of a poorly conceived takeoff of the Rocky Horror Show where they got uh, Hornswoggle and the Matadors and or the Divas coming out and spanking Fandango and stuff like that you know you sort of say uh, you know uh, if the person that's writing the serious stuff the John Cena and uh, Brock Lesnar or whatever um if they have the wherewithal and the uh, creative acumen to do something like that, it's very doubtful that they would have Damien Sando coming out with an astronaut or El Burrito and Hornswoggle or the Matadors and Summer Ray and uh, Layla doing that nonsense with uh, Pantango because all that stuff does is compromise the... Uh, you know, you're going out of your way and you're trying to elicit a very strong, pronounced, legitimate reaction from the audience with the Cena and Brock Lesnar, and then you go out and uh, have this other nonsense. It's like watching a serious movie and you're really watching something like maybe uh, Schindler's List or, you know, one of those... Mm-hmm. very serious thought-provoking movies and then you have Curly Larry and Mo just appear out of nowhere and do some uh, idiot yeah. stunt and, and you'd be going like what's what's the point here you know and that's that's sort of the way I see it you know as a fan and I I um I was always very uh kind of uh I, I always gave a lot of thought into what I did before I uh, inflicted it on the audiences, you know, and every now and then, you know, we we would have a little bit of comic relief in Stampede Wrestling, you'd maybe have the midgets come in once a year, or you'd have uh, the girls or some something that was, you know, a little bit amusing, but uh, a little goes a long way, and for the most part, the fans are wanting to, uh, I believe, indulge in wrestling, and uh, it's not supposed to be uh, laughing or uh, you know, uh, you know, the Gong Show or you know, mm-hmm. Curly Larry and Mo or anything like that. It's supposed to be pretty serious, and the fans, you know, don't need too much, uh, you know, departure from reality, you know. Just like uh, NFL or something, every now and then they have bleeps, blunders, whatever, you know, they have 
Yeah. Some, some funny little thing, but for the most part, it's pretty serious. You're watching the games and cheering for your team, and, you know, kind of your emotions are riding with whether they got a first down or a touchdown or won the game. But, you know, and then you have a little bit of a a funny thing, but it's if, if you're going out of your way to, you know, have silly nonsense and stuff, then... Uh, it ceases to be, uh, you know, effective. But yeah. anyway, yeah. it's just my perspective on that. But. And uh, he, he, here's an interesting question. Obviously, you have a lot of um, knowledge of the wrestling business. I mean, in, inside and out. My next question to you is, have you ever thought about starting your own wrestling company and doing something like that? Once in a while, you know, there's so many variables that are kind of, uh, you know, uh, capable of compromising your ability to, uh, um, one of the biggest problems, I guess, is just, uh, you know, it, it takes a fair bit of revenue, which is one of the first things, but, uh, Beyond that, there's uh, it's, it's a lot different than maybe it was back in the uh, 80s or whenever. You know, there's like back then there was far fewer television stations and also mm-hmm. you didn't have zillion cable and all of that. You know, so th- those are sort of factors. One of the biggest problems I think these days is the uh, prevailing public preconceptions about about wrestling, you know, or, uh, they, uh, I think there's a bit too much of this so-called smart, smart, smart mark genre and that type of thing. Yeah. Um, my belief is most wrestling fans for all intents and purposes would prefer to watch wrestling and if allowed to, would prefer to just indulge in the notion that it it's real, it's like a little kid mm-hmm. choosing to believe in Santa Claus. You know, they they uh, don't really want to be told anything to the contrary. And there's, for me, there's no no great reason to be uh, constantly. Uh, you know, uh, to me, it's a big contradiction or counterproductive to the max where you're. Uh, going to great lengths to uh, instill in the public some perception that this might be real, you know, by having hot angles and, you know, compelling storylines and guys doing their roles well and all like that. And then then you just kind of go out and, uh, you know, uh, acknowledge that it's all uh, a work or it's all... Uh, pre-orchestrated uh, whatever, you know, so I find that whole thing is to be uh, kind of, uh, you know, makes no sense to me. Maybe I'm coming from a different era, but uh, my honest belief is the fans would far rather indulge in the perception that it's maybe on the level or real it's just like some churchgoer going to a church, you know, they mm-hmm. would prefer to believe 
rather than being told a bunch of other uh, contingent stuff about you know uh, heaven and hell and all like this and uh, oh absolutely and absolutely. it's just it's just some uh, NFL or mm-hmm. NBA or uh, Major League Baseball fan you know there was some big disclosure that it was all uh, you know predetermined and all like this uh, I think the fans would be more pissed off if uh, if they were told that you know and I, I don't know whether they want to indulge or support it after that to me it's a sign or it's a you know, possibly the strongest indication that there's a huge loyal fan base out there that they choose to, uh, you know, believe or, you know, support as much as they do, mm-hmm. especially ones WWE and all these are kind of, you know, going online and talking about it being sports entertainment or some other predetermined, you know. I don't think the fans ever sought to know or wanted to be uh, told that, you know, I always, and I've said that many a time, I think that was a huge mistake on Vince McMahon's or whoever else's part to, uh, you know, acknowledge that it was uh, anything other than uh, a sport. And all those things were things that were just, you know, by no means was Vince McMahon the first uh, promoter or, or whoever to, uh, you know, uh, s- suggest that it was a work or it was uh, not on the level, you know. So, but the fans, uh, I remember back when I was breaking in and long before that, you know, there's always speculative conjecture about wrestling of, of the common question i remember uh when i was even in school and my dad was a promoter when i started in the business invariably you would always get fans coming up and saying is wrestling phony and uh you would always say no it's you know my matches are real or you know you know as far as i know it's on the level and, and that's all they ever wanted to know and uh it was just sort of reassuring anyone who whoever had to ask that question didn't want to be told if you know what i mean yeah exactly bruce and i wanted to share something with you bruce and then i want to get your thoughts on it as well but one thing that the wwe does that i think is disrespectful to all the superstars and wrestlers of, of all time is like during the WWE Hall of Fame, you got all these Hall of Famers that deserve to be in there, and then every year they put a celebrity in there that has nothing to do with the business. Um, well, there's something very, uh, I've, uh, I don't even have any uh, issue with, say, Bob Uecker or, uh, or Pete Rose or... Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even know who some of these other, uh, you know, the uh, Mr. T or some of these people that had one match or something like that. But, but you know, I, I don't. I, I think that it's. In, I don't think it's uh, deserving. You know, I. Like, I think there would be 
huge outcry if you had uh, if you chose to maybe induct uh, some rock star because he threw out the first pitch at an all-star game or something like that say say you had Mick Jagger or something like that or Morgana the Kissing Bandit or you had some uh, person who had a very uh, you know insignificant career like Mark the Bird Fidrich or some guy who you know Eddie Goodell the midget who uh, batted one game in uh, 1951 or something for the St. Louis Browns if you had something like that uh, it's all part of baseball legend and lore I suppose but uh I think any, you know, real fan would be saying it's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, you got, you have all these legitimate legends who are not in the Hall of Fame. You know, they didn't quite maybe measure up to the. You know, it's pretty hard to get into the Hall of Fame, but uh, mm-hmm. so I think that's part of the problem. And the other thing that really irritates me, Justin, is that there's a lot of very, very uh, deserving candidates for the Hall of Fame that seem to not be in there. I'm not sure if they didn't, uh, like, one of the most glaring examples, I would have to say, is is the legendary Luthez. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in most people's estimation, outside of the WWE, you know, he's considered maybe the best wrestler of all time, the greatest NWA champion of all time. He had a a career, uh, his championship uh, reign, you know, was uh, from the 1930s till the 1960s. You know, had an incredible run and was... Uh, an incredible ambassador and distinguished himself, uh, you know, tremendously, you know, as a wrestler and a champion, as an ambassador for the sport. And he's not in the WWE. That that would be the equivalent of maybe, uh, you know, somebody like Babe Ruth or Willie Mays or something not being in the Baseball Hall of Fame. There's no, to me, there. It, the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame, you know, uh, speaks very poorly about the integrity or the legitimacy of the WWE Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. If a guy like uh, Luthez or there's quite a few others that come to mind, uh, Strangler Lewis and Frank Gotch and George Hackenschmidt and some of these other legendary people and then you see some other guys they're uh, you know wrestlers but they they certainly didn't warrant being in the Hall of Fame you know I'd see maybe people like Mike Von Erich and uh, you know uh, Coco Beware or Sherry Martell you know nice enough people and all like that but if they're in the Hall of Fame and Luthez is not, then, uh, you know, it, it begs for an inquiry or it doesn't speak very well for the integrity of the whole thing, you know. So, 
I think WWE needs to be uh, more accountable for that, you know. And they always hear all this dialogue about the WWE universe and all this type of thing. But uh, if it really is the people mm-hmm. that are, you know, making these decisions, then uh, then I I think they should be. Uh, given a lot more, you know, I'd venture to say, you know, the fans themselves have little or no real say in those decisions because quite a few of them are just political, you know, it's just friends of somebody or that type of thing, which, you know, I can appreciate at the same time, you know, I think it's not right if you're purporting yourself to be some kind of a, a thing where the fans actually have all this uh, input and they really don't then, you know, it's like a contradiction of the whole thing, you know, so. Mm -hmm. As I said before, I think it's a testimony to the inherent popularity of wrestling that it uh, seems to have endured and and survived and uh, still is relatively popular given the uh, amount of times that they have uh, shot themselves in the foot and done things that really, uh, you know, tarnished the image and the credibility of the sport, you know, and uh, they should be far more protective of that. You know, it's like I, I said that in some of my previous radio broadcasts, like some of the things that have transpired like the Montreal screw job and um mm-hmm. just in recent years the uh, they've almost kind of in my estimation really cheapened the integrity of the world titles first off when they had two titles they had the world heavyweight and the WWE which made no sense to me anyway so like having the super bowl and the ultimate bowl or something like that and you know and then uh Subsequent to that, they made it like they're having the big uh, unification mm-hmm. scenario last year where they uh, had the two belts, you know, kind of merged into one. But they still have the two belts, which makes no sense to me. It's like having maybe, you know, the uh, old NFL title and the old AFL title, and they're both you know, being awarded at the same time, I'd just get rid of them both and have a new one altogether if that was the case. But uh, for me, the uh, integrity of the belt has been cheapened, and it irritates me when I hear some, you know, somebody like the Miz or something is six-time world champion or 15-time champion or 20-times champion or whatever. Um, like some of the most iconic superstars in WWE history far more iconic than some of the guys that have held the belt for short stints in the last few years. People like Bruno Sammartino and uh, even Hulk Hogan and them. They only held the belts three or four times over a period of 25, 30 years. And that doesn't diminish, you know. It, it bothers me when I hear them saying, 15 or 25 time champion like as if you know because you held it that many times that you're better you know it means you lost it 24 times too then you know which is 
So, but I think they really need to uh, restore some uh, of the uh, perceptible legitimacy and the uh, integrity to those, you know, the world title. And in order for that to happen, you you can't be having guys, you know, winning the belts routinely on run-ins and sword finishes and all this type of thing. And you can't be, uh, you know, having guys that aren't worthy of the, the mantle of the title holding it, you know, it cheapens it. And, and while I was on that tangent, I would get rid of, you know, the U.S. title or the Intercontinental, you know, to me, they don't, they don't mean anything. Uh, I've seen all these guys who are supposedly uh, U.S. or Intercontinental champions, like Wade Barrett and Sheamus. <laughs> you see them get beaten in the middle by uh, other guys, and they don't even lose the belt. And to me, the whole thing doesn't even make any sense to a guy like Sheamus as the U.S. champion when he's not even an American. You know, he's from Ireland or whatever. He got Wade Barrett, uh, just stuff like that. You know, if, if it was up to me, I think I'd get rid of most of those belts. And um, if and when you are changing those belts, I think you owe it to your fans and yourself to perpetuate some perception of legitimacy by not having you know cheap finishes belts should not be one on uh run-ins and swerves guys maybe hitting yeah. somebody with a foreign object or having uh you know, there's actually way too much of that stuff now and i don't even like it's got to the point where it's very hard to take the referees the least bit seriously when Almost every match, you know, I, I don't think I've seen a WWE Raw or SmackDown for the last decade where at least one time during the match they didn't go out and smash people into the timekeeper or the announcer's table and mm -hmm. or pull chairs out from under the ring and smash each other and all this other, you know, and uh, having uh, uh, wanton run-ins, you know, and really frustrating frustrates me when nowadays they even have the run-ins and it's the baby faces doing it like the shield you know uh poor yeah. guys and coming down the aisle and uh just you know way too much uh you know it, it's it's tough to uh even make it out to be legit when you have so many things that are not very well considered or mm -hmm. you know seem like they're you know uh just kind of spur of the moment silliness, you know, and uh, I think they really need to go back to uh, perceptible, more legitimacy to where there's most of the finishes are in the middle of the ring, not, you know, chairs and, you know, kendo sticks and guys running in and referees getting knocked down and mm -hmm. all that stuff. Uh, if I was a fan, I I think I'd be going like, man, I'm getting sick of this. It's so, you know, uh, and it ceases to even get a reaction if you're doing it all the time. You know, the secret, if you're going to do something controversial or hot, is to do it very, very judiciously so that it's not happening all the time. Then it, it would become controversial, but... 
I see so many swerves and run-ins, and almost in every, almost in any match on a pay-per-view, there's, you know, uh, way too many high spots, way too many, uh, you know, kind of cheap spots with, you know, gimmicks and chairs and run-ins and ref bumps and all this other, you know, and what they need to realize is. Uh, if that's the rule rather than the exception, it ceases to even get a reaction. You know, same with the high spots. You know, the spectacular spots. Uh, way too much of that these days, too. You know, uh, my dad used to say, uh, "A high spot ceases to be a high spot if all you're doing is high spots. You may as well be a circus performer or a damned uh, gymnast or, uh, you know, something like that. You know, if that's all you're doing is high spots and." the wrestling is uh incidental you know then it uh, it you know and that's that's part of the problem i think they really need to re-examine how they want wrestling to be perceived mm-hmm. my belief is the fans want to for all intents and purposes treat it like a a, a serious sport and uh, i think if if that was happening, I think they'd get a far better reaction. Best indication to me, Justin, that the fans are clamoring for some perceptible legitimacy is the uh, rise of the UFC in the last 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. It's primarily because people got so sick of all the bullshit in wrestling and all the bullshit in boxing. They had Don King and the Klitschkos and Mike Tyson biting yeah. Evander Holyfield's ears, and they had uh, Montreal screw jobs, and they had uh, belts being changed right and left, and they had divas and X-rated nonsense and May Young and uh, you know mud fighting, all this other silly stuff, and I think a lot of the traditional fans of boxing and wrestling. Uh, opted for UFC if only because it seemed like it was real and you know they they could uh, take it seriously for me UFC is nowhere near as entertaining or has nowhere near as much potential to entertain as wrestling because they've almost kind of just with the uh, nature of it you know they can't really expand or do much more than what they've done. Mm-hmm. And for me, my dad used to tell me that while he was alive, was that UFC was, you know, take away the cage. It wasn't really that much different than what old wrestling was back in the uh, early days when he was, you know, starting. You know, like the Strangler Lewis and the Frank Gotch and the George. Hackenschmidt and Stan Zabisco and those guys, you know, they would very little, uh, you know, gimmicks, not too many, uh, you know, uh, of the frills, you know, it's just pretty much uh, two guys wrestling and uh, rolling around and mm-hmm. at some point they, I think, uh, started uh, introducing some of these you know, high spots and playing heels and faces and some of that. And, and you know, unfortunately, some of the 
people who didn't have that much integrity or understood the business, they kind of cheapened it with way too much gimmickry and, uh, you know, the superficial nonsense, and they kind of cheapened the uh, reputation of the business. But uh, I think if if WWE or pro wrestling were to uh, endeavor to go back to... uh, some semblance of old school mm-hmm. and restore mm-hmm. some perceptible legitimacy, the fans would be very receptive to it. You know, uh, what they need to do is they need to be systematic about it and uh, you can't do it overnight. You have to, uh, and you have to practice what you're preach, preaching as well. So, it would, it would, uh, you know, it would take a while because the fans, Initially, you're not going to know what you're endeavoring to do, and they're going to be a bit skeptical. And they've seen so much of the, uh, you know, the non-wrestling crap with the, you know, the fighting out on the floor and the chairs and the anything goes and all of that. But I think you need to re reestablish the rules. You know, reestablish wrestling as the main course, not. Uh, the gimmicks and the other, you know, the high spots and all the other. You always have to perceive wrestling to be the main course, you know. It's like, the, use a football analogy, the run sets up the pass, but the wrestling has to set up the high spots or has to set up the swerve finishes or has to set up the controversies and all like that. And if they perceive wrestling to be legitimate or fairly real, then everything falls into place. But if the wrestling, and that's the case right now, I'd venture to say, the wrestling has taken a back seat to all the nonsense with the gimmicks and the talking and the tits and ass and the, uh, the silly comic relief nonsense and the commentators talking and Stephanie and Vicky Guerrero rolling around in mud and all this other nonsense. Well, actually, actually, to take seriously. Yeah, actually, I believe that Vicky was let go because of due, due to budget cuts. I believe she was actually let go from the company. I believe because. Yeah, I don't even like. I, Vicky's a nice enough person. You may have met her. I met her a few times. She seemed like a very nice person and genuine. You know, pretty. But you know, she was just sort of almost like uh, a laughing stock. You know, I guess she was good natured and went along with it. It was a payday for her, but um, yeah, yeah, she was, you know, for all intents and purposes, just sort of uh, somebody to ridicule and make fun of. Is my uh, perception, you know, was, uh, you know, they'd have her come out there and going, "Excuse me," and looking like a, you know, a fool, or you know, they. In most cases, she ended up making a fool of herself right up to the end where she had the uh, the mud wrestling thing with Stephanie and all like that, you know. But it was just kind of, uh, it was more demeaning than anything else, you know. I guess she, uh, it was a payday for her, but I got to the point where it didn't even, it wasn't even entertaining or anything. I, you know, <laughs> quite honestly, I still have no, it doesn't make any sense to me even now that they need a manager f- 
for Monday Night Raw or SmackDown, really. That whole thing made no sense for yeah. years and years. Like Vince McMahon Sr., Vince McMahon Jr. owned the company. And I didn't need mm-hmm. to have a, an owner or some, have be told that somebody else was the manager of Raw or SmackDown. And there was, there were so many people on there that were not even credible. Associated, yep. Yeah, just being trotted out people like Eric Bischoff and the coach and uh and Vicky Guerrero and uh all these others, you know, and, and you didn't even take him seriously, you know, like it, you knew damn well that uh Vince or whoever's still orchestrating all the uh mm-hmm. schematics there so you don't need to be uh for me it just annoyed me that uh some funky like that uh, Maddox or whatever his name is, like some of them got to the point where they, you know, were just kind of uh, had just uh, hit the scene all of a sudden. They're the manager of Raw or SmackDown and didn't even, uh, it was more insulting to your intelligence. It took away from the believability of what they're doing. And uh, even with the whole genesis of SmackDown and Raw, you know, at one yeah. point, you know, it was sort of a offshoot of the uh, WWE taking over WCW or buying it out or whatever. So there was some perceptible kind of uh, difference between Raw and SmackDown. There was two, like, supposed uh, separate teams and all like that. But, you know... That's long since been kind of uh, compromised, so there's not even any real difference now between Raw and SmackDown. I don't even know what the uh, point of even trying to make out like there's a separate uh, roster or there's any uh, anything least bit different. You know, it's like the old AFL and the NFL. And back in the day, there was some perceptible kind of uh, you know the American football league and the NFL would play or even Major League Baseball they got the National League and the uh, American League so for all intents and purposes they're still sort of playing their own schedules and then they meet in the World Series if WWE maybe stuck to that to me it would still be a bit lame but if, if you at least didn't have Raw and SmackDown guys fighting except for maybe WrestleMania or something maybe uh, it's the culmination of something then maybe you could indulge in it a bit, but to me, there's not even any uh, separation or anything. It's just kind of uh, two shows with the same cast of characters and the same people coming out. Week after week after week. Yeah, spewing the same verbal diarrhea. and the. So, yeah, I I really think they need to, uh, you know, as I said before, a testimony to the inherent popularity of wrestling that it's survived all this, you know, nonsense that they and this embarrassment and garbage that they've uh, inflicted on the fans. But um, at the same time, I, I really think it's high time that they sit down and uh, re-examine what they're doing, re-establish some perception of legitimacy and one of the biggest problems they have right now uh justin is that they don't have enough guys who can wrestle that's the big problem you know they 
you know, because they have so few guys that are actually decent wrestlers, that's why they have to indulge in all these swerve finishes and gimmick outcomes and having guys, uh, you know, do non-wrestling stuff and all this other, you know. There's only a... And the reason for that is they, you know, back in the day when there was, uh, you know, all the territories, as they called them, there was uh, a lot more guys who were decent workers, as we used to call them. But yeah. right, right now there's a, a huge scarcity of really decent workers. And anyone who... Uh, you know, uh, doesn't believe me, or if any anyone in WWE was, you know, uh, claiming otherwise to me, I'd say, well, why the hell do you have to keep bringing back Dwayne Johnson, Brock Lesnar, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, uh, people like this, if if you have so many great workers that are up and coming, you know, uh, why do you have to keep bringing back all those people? And the reason they have to keep bringing all those people back and it's testimony to those guys' popularity and all like that is because they don't have enough, they don't have any other wrestlers that can, uh, you know, uh, get the job done. And, you know, that's that's why they even had to bring back Undertaker for 23 or 33 years or whatever in a row, you know, or all this other, you know. But uh, there's... Uh, to me, there's a huge shortage of guys who are actually decent wrestlers, and yeah, you need to uh, develop. You know, wrestlers don't grow on trees, or you can't take them and develop them in some kind of a, a sterile and uh, contrived atmosphere like NXT. To me, that's uh, a contradiction. That's that in itself is almost an indication of what's wrong with wrestling right now. Because in the old days, when you developed talent, you did not want them to be, uh, when they were at the very embryonic early stages of their careers, and they were kind of developing their style and their persona and all that other, you didn't want the fans seeing them like that because it would pervert their perceptions down the road. In the old days, you know, uh, promoters, and that's why so many great wrestlers broke in in Calgary, for example, because I remember promoters like Vern Gagne and uh, Eddie Graham and Don Owens and uh, the Funks and all, or uh, Fritz von Erich would call my dad, and they would say, I've got a prospect that... Uh, you know, could you develop him up there? And that's why we developed guys like uh, Billy Graham, Superstar, and, uh, you know, uh, so many of the Minneapolis guys came up here, and guys from Portland came up here, and guys from uh, Amarillo came up here. And, uh, and my dad would send guys that he maybe thought were good prospects down to the Funks or to Don Owens in Portland or something. And, and when they came back, you know, they were kind of a, you know, a, a finished product. And when they hit the scene, you know, they hit the scene with a big impact, which is a big part of it. You can't take a guy 
and have him wrestle as a no-name jabroni, as we used to call them, yeah. you know, in your own backyard for uh, a year or two, and then all of a sudden turn him into a star. It doesn't work like that. And anyone who remembers back in the day with the WWE, the uh, all those guys, when they hit the WWE, guys like The Undertaker or The Ultimate Warrior or uh, mm-hmm. or the British Bulldogs or uh, Stone Arthur Cold. Johnson. You know, they they yeah they they were big stars they you know they were created a huge impact when they hit the scene you know and that was the the way it should have been not like that anymore though you know there's no uh, place for these guys to develop mm-hmm. so they're uh, kind of uh, you know to me it's a compromise when you have a guy who's been seen in NXT or something for a year or two and even like Adam Rose you know he's played different roles and all this other Bray Wyatt was Husky Harris and all this other you know you know Michael McGillicuddy was Curtis Axel you know to me all that stuff's you know kind of uh, all it does is make it that much harder for the fans to take these guys seriously Mm -hmm. and it's a lot harder for those poor guys to uh, rise above all the preconceptions, you know. And uh, WWE should know these things, you know. It's uh, you know they they should, they should be very well aware of those things, and they should be doing something about it, you know, because uh, all they're doing is making it way harder on themselves. Yes, yeah. in my estimation. Do, do you think part of the reason could be that um, basically they really don't have any competition because back then, like, you named a lot of those guys, there was a time where WCW and uh, WWE were, you know, fighting for first place, so to speak. Do you think that that's why that WWE's getting kind of, you know... I would say it's uh, a very good point you make, Justin. I think there's a considerable considerable amount of stagnation now because you know there's no competition there's no you know other promotions that are uh, causing them to you know up their game or you know uh, do things better and the other the other part of the problem as I said before is these uh and WWE should be ashamed of itself for going way out of its way to uh, eliminate or get rid of all these other promotions like Stampede and Minneapolis and Amarillo and Dallas and, you know, all the other, there were so many uh, regional promotions back in the day. It would be the equivalent of uh, Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. And if if it had seen fit maybe back in the uh, 80s, if, you know, some megalomaniac, Bud Selig or George Steinbrenner or some such thing, uh, decided that made all these minor league baseball teams and whatever were threatening or taking from, you know, taking away from the New York Yankees or something, so they had to get rid of them. So uh, 
if they had seen fit to do that, maybe had the whole field to themselves, maybe it would, you know, I don't think it would have been good anyway, but they may have, uh, you know, sustained themselves well with the fans just buying this small nucleus of, you know, the elite teams and all like that. But after a while, you would have killed off the source of all your talent, which is what what WWE did. You know, they had all those places, and all they needed to do was interact with them. You know, uh, just kind of, instead of going out of the way to uh, eliminate Minneapolis, which was a great promotion, or Calgary, or Portland, or Amarillo, or Dallas, or Georgia, or Eddie Graham's promotion down in Florida, or uh, Bill Watts' promotion, those if, if they had just kind of uh, had peaceful coexistence with them or, mm-hmm. you know, interacted with them, it would have served them far better than what's happened. Because right now, one of the problems is, first off, they don't have any place to get this new talent or develop it. And then the other part of the problem, Justin, is they have they have all these wrestlers who they really need to give their faces a rest or that are kind of, uh, you know, past their uh, shelf date on the people like Ryback and Curtis Axel and Alberto Del Rio and uh, Damian Sandow and guys like that. And those guys would be far better off if they just sent them somewhere else you know, and then brought them back in a year and uh, brought them back as stars. Instead, they uh, have all this kind of, uh, you know, kind of worn-out talent, and all they're doing right now is uh, making a fool of most of those poor guys like Damien and, you know, uh, Curtis and Ryback and Ezekiel and... uh, you know, all these others, you know. So those are things that they really uh, need to work need. on. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And what what they really need to do, the other part of the problem, Justin, is in any other sport, you say you're a football fan or a baseball or whatever, mm-hmm. you get to see those sports on a fairly regular basis. You know, you get... Uh, whether it's your minor league baseball team in, uh, you know, uh, West Virginia or whatever, you know, they play like 60, 70 games a year, the college team, whatever, but uh, WWE doesn't even sustain the grassroots. They come to Calgary, you know, with a kind of uh, not a particularly good show either, maybe once every year or 18 months. And, uh, I don't know how often they hit West Virginia. Maybe it's a maybe once a year at the most or whatever. But yeah, you, you can't sustain your fan base in any other sport if you're just coming once a year. If you had just maybe one baseball game a year mm-hmm. in uh, you know West Virginia or some such thing, you know, or so what they really need, like in the old days, as you probably know, uh, you know, you had all these promotions like Calgary or Portland or Amarillo or whatever, but the fans got to see wrestling every week. 
Mm-hmm. And they could come out, and it wasn't very expensive, you know, five bucks or whatever, and and they could get their fix every week, and and it, it was something that really uh, sustained their interest. Mm-hmm. And uh, the WWE has completely destroyed that too, you know, which yeah. ultimately is just destroying their fan base because if the grassroots are uh, eroded uh, tremendously, then the whole foundation is shaky, and by that token, the whole sport in itself is in jeopardy, and that's a big part of the problem right now. And they they need to be uh, re-examining some of these things. You, you cannot sustain the high end, the top end of the business if the foundation is uh, rotted, you know. Any historian will tell you, Justin, that every great empire in the history of the world mm-hmm. has collapsed or imploded from within. They weren't defeated by somebody else. They... Uh, you know, kind of uh, collapsed from all the internal rot and uh, all of that. You know, the Roman Empire, the uh, British Empire, the, uh, you know, the Spanish, the whatever, you know, the Russians even, you know. So, uh, you know, I think WWE needs to uh, be going back to uh, the grassroots and uh, rebuilding the, you know the the, uh, the business, and they have to put aside a lot of their megalomaniacal insecurities and whatnot, and uh, and go out and reestablish these things. And uh, as I said before, they need to reexamine what what wrestling is. They need to redefine what it is themselves, and. They need to redefine how they want people to perceive wrestling, you know. And right now it's pretty evident to me that they do not know themselves, you know. If they did, then you would not see El Burrito and uh, Hornswoggle on the same show or following right after John Cena and Brock Lesnar, you know. The two things completely counteract each other, you know. These are things, they're just my perceptions, but... uh, I, uh, I'm saying them, uh, endeavoring to say them totally objectively. I have no agenda or I'm not, uh, saying it with prejudice either. You know, I, I've actually kind of, for all intents and purposes, uh, you know, buried, long since buried the hatchet with WWE and, um, because of my passion for the wrestling business and the fact that my my dad and my brothers and all this other have you know uh, been so integral in WWE, I I would far rather see them uh, you know take it to the limit and rise to uh, mm-hmm. you know a far higher level, and I think they're capable of it. But uh, you really need to uh, go back to the drawing board, in my estimation, you know, you know, and reestablish, you know, because it's the, the WWE that ultimately, uh, you know, determines these things. You know, and tail doesn't wag the dog. You know, it's not the uh, 
the fans or the uh, external things that are predicating these decisions. It's it's them, and it's obvious to me that there's either too many cooks in the kitchen or mm-hmm. somebody with uh, a split personality is, uh, you know, pushing the buttons or there's something, you know, something that does not add up, you know, and uh, I, I think they need to really uh, address some of these things because if they don't, I think the foundation of the and the and Sad to say, the future of the business could be in jeopardy. You know, and I, 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 you know, certainly I have a great deal of passion for the business, given our family's uh, history. Yeah, a yeah, long and storied legacy in it. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I am so passionate about the business, Bruce, that I myself would get in the ring, and even in my physical condition, I would wrestle. I would give it my best. That's how passionate I am about the business. Yeah, as a, I often say to the guys I'm training that uh, if you're not passionate about this business, then maybe you should go somewhere else or you should find something else. Because if you don't have passion, mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to succeed. You know, nothing, no great athlete in any sport or no great musician or artist ever attained any great degree of success without passion and commitment and mm-hmm. you know uh dedication and desire all those things you know that you know and i i uh i certainly you know, i still have a great deal of passion for the business you know and um having it you know Having had a lot to do with the success of a lot of guys who attained superstardom, you know, like my brothers and my brothers-in-law and the uh, guys like Pillman and Benoit and uh, all these others, uh, you know, it it gives me a great deal of intrinsic satisfaction when I when I see you know them succeed and the business being uh, put on a very high pedestal that it deserves to be on mm-hmm. at the same time it, it it bothers me and it uh distresses me when i i see uh people routinely uh profaning and you know uh disrespecting the business and disrespecting it by uh, some of the Insulting to your intelligence nonsense and the uh you know the ill considered skits and what not that they inflict on the public you know it's you know uh and if you had that if you had any more near that degree of uh disrespect for yourself in baseball or football or any other main sport, those sports would no longer be in business if you had you know baseball routinely inflicting you know anywhere near the same amount of uh crap that mm-hmm. wrestling seems to routinely inflict on itself uh you know after a while the writers and the the fans would start saying i you know i think i'll find another sport it's no longer america's national pastime by the steady diet of San Diego chicken and you know the uh, 
the mascots uh, mud wrestling on every game and uh, umpires being bowled over and, uh, you know, third base coaches hitting guys with kendo sticks and the bat, you know, and, uh, you know, people tripping each other and, you know, getting, uh, getting even you know, a fraction of the same kind of crap and baseball or football players, uh, you know, doing the same kind of nonsense or, you know, using gimmicks and throwing powder in guys' faces and, you know, you know, people would, after a while, they just, you know, tune you out and say, I, I, I don't think I'm going to follow the NFL anymore. It's ceased to become, you know, it's, you know, uh, a mockery of whatever it used to be, you know. And yeah. So for that reason, I, th- I, I really think, you know, uh, WWE or perhaps some of these other promotions, and I don't even know what TNA is anymore. I've long since kind of lost touch with that. I don't even know if it's a promotion anymore, you know, the... Uh, former WWE seniors tour or something like that, you know, or whatever. But um no, I, as I said before, I think the fan the fans are still mm-hmm. wanting to get into wrestling and would love nothing better than to uh be able to uh indulge in it again, you know, like I said before on a regular basis where you could actually go every week and you're mm-hmm. you know, all those things, uh but you need to have, uh, you know, the people at the top uh, re-examine what they even perceive wrestling to be. And as I said before, they there should be a lot more interaction with these uh, major promotions and the uh, and the smaller promotions. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I think one of the biggest mistakes that the uh, smaller promotions make and there's a lot of them that I wouldn't even I don't even consider to be promotions so to speak they're just a bunch of nonsense but uh, mm-hmm. you need to have uh, a lot more uh, you know perceptible legitimacy and one of the biggest mistakes I see these indie promotions or these small ones making is they're they're all trying to be like a second-rate, cheap copy of WWE. Yeah. And, you know, old gimmicks, and everyone's got a costume, and everyone's got some skanky diva with fake boobs coming to the ring with them and all this other nonsense. And uh, I think uh, having, you know, one of the big reasons why we succeeded in uh rose above things in the, back in the 80s when, you know, almost all these other promotions were falling by the wayside uh, with the rise of Hulkamania and all like that back in the 80s. was uh, I was bound and determined to be like a compelling alternative, not just a cheap copy of the WWE. So I started guys at that time like Owen and Pillman and Benoit and... Um, Muckham Singh, who later was kind of made a fool of as Bastion Booger in the WWE, but mm-hmm. Bad News Allen and Barry Orton and some of these guys, and uh, and we were sort of, uh, you know, going out of our way to be 
you know, a compelling alternative to the WWE, not a second-rate copy of it. And uh, that was one of the reasons why we were as successful as we were. Even back in the day, I, I didn't agree with some of the... Uh, stuff they were doing the ECW back in the uh, Paul Heyman days and all like that but uh, when they were striving to be an alternative to the WWE they were you know quite popular and the, the, their fan base was pretty supportive and loyal mm-hmm. later on when they became kind of a, just kind of a, a second rate you know low-grade copy, uh, you know, uh, of WWE, the whole thing kind of ceased to have any appeal and just kind of mm-hmm. went down the toilet like a big turd. <laughs> so, um, forgive my French or whatever, but... That, that's okay, Bruce. It's it's uncensored on my show, so you're good. Um, you, you, I wanted to make a comment, Bruce. You had mentioned about... You know, back then it was cheaper to go to a show. I wanted to mention that one thing that I'm glad of is the WWE Network, and I'll tell you why, Bruce, because, like, it's cheaper to watch it on the network than it is to watch it on TV because these pay-per-views would be, like, 50 or $60 a pop. And I'd be like, okay, I can't, I can't keep spending this, so what I would do is I would usually just get... Uh, WrestleMania every year because that's really expensive, 50, 50 or $60 a pop. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been intrigued, Justin, because they don't, uh, I, I see their commercials up here on, on TV. Uh, you know, uh, they're claiming that you buy the WWE Network for nine ninety five a month or something like that. And, and you get all the pay-per-views, and but for some reason they don't have that in Canada yet. But um, but I think one of the problems that, that they're facing there is they're uh, they have to be careful that they don't devalue their their own product, you know. Uh, and the other thing I think they're probably going to have a lot of major issues with the twenty-four-seven network is. Uh, just overexposure. Yeah. I don't. I honestly don't know. Even if I was the world's most hardcore football fan, or I don't know that I'd be inclined to watch twenty-four-seven of NFL every <laughs> every day. And on uh, hearing about the Cincinnati Bengals cheerleaders or <laughs> some you know assistant coach on the Buffalo Bills having athlete's foot or something like that, you know, it's like, uh, after a while, you know, I think I've had enough of this, you know, so I, I, I honestly don't know who, you know, even if I was the world's most, you know, uh, hardcore wrestling fan, I, I don't know that I could stomach watching 24-7 of Pat Patterson and guys going to Las Vegas or watching old stuff from the 60s of, AWA or Mae Young when she was in her teens back in the pre-Civil War days or something like that or whatever. Yeah. I, okay. I, I, I don't just know. Think, yeah. I, I just like it because it's like the pay-per-views are cheaper that way, you know? I mean, because 50 or $60 a yeah. pop, that's expensive. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of money. 
and for me, Justin, I I really think as part of the re-examining of themselves, I think they need to. Uh, for me, there's too many pay-per-views, mm-hmm. almost the point where you know the smaller, more insignificant ones, the in your house or in your outhouse or whatever, the uh, the. Uh, I don't even know if they pay back or, or battleground or, or yeah. all these other. Like, the way I see it, you know, at, at first I thought maybe WrestleMania was like the Super Bowl. So, you know, that was the big ultimate, you know, kind of. And then they started maybe in, including maybe SummerSlam and uh, Survivor Series and Royal Rumble to where they had the big four. Yeah. I'm still okay with it. It's like, okay, it's now about like uh, tennis where you got the Wimbledon and you got the French Open and the Forest Hills, the U.S. Open and the, uh, you know, the Australian Open. So you got the big four. And then, uh, but after a while, it gets to the point where you have uh, sometimes more than one pay-per-view a month. And the other part of the problem they seem to have as well is... Uh, like you and I have been talking about already, is they have a fairly stagnant, not not particularly changing, you know, talent base. So it's the same old wrestlers on every pay-per-view. The only thing that maybe sets WrestleMania apart is they uh, they will maybe bring Dwayne Johnson back for that. He maybe won't come back for battlegrounds or in your outhouse or something like that, you know, but uh but uh or they'll bring back maybe a, a special guest like Floyd Mayweather or mm-hmm. some such thing for WrestleMania. But uh aside from that there's hardly anything even separating uh Battleground from say SummerSlam, you know, uh maybe Brock Lesnar I guess is deemed and you know, he it's too important to do Battleground or something, even though they charge you full care for the pay-per-view to see Battleground. But um, yeah, exactly. I think there's too damn many pay-per-views. And mm-hmm. it's always the same old, same old, same old. You know, you got Cena and Kane and Orton and uh, whoever, you know, the same old, just reshuffling the deck over and over and over, you know. like mm-hmm. I, I'm... I'm glad the fans still support it, but uh, you know, at the same time, I think, geez, uh, you know, you guys got to start coming up with some better means of propagating your product here, you know, and, and sustaining, you know, yeah. the image. You know, as Andre Agassi, the tennis player, used to say, "Image is everything," and uh, right now, the image is. You know, pretty uh, tarnished and shoddy right now, in my estimation. You know, and it's not enhanced to me in any mm-hmm. any way, shape, or form. When you have the uh, supposed face of faces of the franchise, uh, Stephanie and Hunter engaging, yeah. it, and Stephanie's having mud wrestling matches with uh, Vicky Guerrero or. His you know, going to wrestle Brie Bella or whatever, and got Hunter, uh, you know, who's supposed to be the head of the company with this nonsense about calling it the authority, and 
going out of his way to be prejudiced and biased towards, uh, you know, John Cena and Roman Reigns and all this. Like, to me, the whole thing's, you know, uh, been compromised a lot more than it should. You need, you need for all intents and purposes. Can you, can you imagine Roger Goodell? The commissioner of the NFL uh, getting on and saying, you know, uh, we need you to take out Tom Brady or something like that, or we need you to, uh, you know, break, uh, you know, Adrian Peterson's leg, or you know, we can't have, uh, you know, uh, you know this this player in the game, you know, so we need you to, uh, you know, uh, take him out or something like that. It, it, be unthinkable, you know, or you have that type of, uh, you know, and if you're going to have that kind of thing, then Stephanie and Hunter should not be uh, perceived to be, you know, running the WWE then if 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 that's their mindset, that they're uh, obviously biased and Mm -hmm. going to great lengths to uh, hurt or uh, impede the progress of, you know, these other wrestlers, you know, like the whole thing, I think, needs to be re-examined, they really need to uh, redefine what their objectives are and uh, how they endeavor to attain them, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. and always keeping in mind the, uh, the fans, you know, the fans are the ultimate, uh, ultimately the people who... Yeah. You know, or paying everyone's salaries and, you know, keeping the whole thing going. But all too often, I don't think the fans are taken into consideration in some of these ill-conceived decisions, you know, that they're obviously uh, insulting to the intelligence. So they certainly haven't even thought of fan reaction in so many of these things, you know. So it's too bad. I I think you always need to be appreciative of the fans, I know my dad was like that, and um, you always, you know, need to be, you know, ultimately aware that they're the ones who are really paying everyone's salaries, you know, and you need yeah. to, uh, you know, do things that uh, sustain the fans' belief in their, you know, kind of willingness to. Uh, keep supporting this whole thing, you know, and all too often, I don't think that's been the case, you know, it's all, you know, many cases, just total disregard for the fans and, uh, you know, doing things, you know, without taking any of the fans' reactions into consideration. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Bruce, I miss how the Royal, Royal Rumble used to be like, they would have all 30 guys in there at the same time all at once. I I miss it like that instead of having having them come in and then like a fresh guy could just easily win the thing and not even be be in there and wrestle for two minutes. So I miss the old style Royal Rumble. Yeah, I, I have a great deal of trouble even, you know, taking some of these pretext seriously Justin where the uh, whole objective of the Royal Rumble is as you might recall or as I certainly recall was back in the day the uh, the winner of the uh, Royal Rumble got to f- fight 
whoever was the WWE champion at WrestleMania. That was yeah. sort of like the big uh, proviso. But nowadays they have like the uh, WWE champions frivolously defending their belts or whatever on any on any given edition of Raw or SmackDown or whatever. So it's almost like uh, so. What's the big deal about winning the Royal Rumble and any? Tom, Dick, and Harry seems to be able to wrestle Cena or whoever for the world title at any, you know, given occasion for, you know. So the whole thing, you know, uh, to me compromises whatever the ostensible rationale of having Royal Rumble is, you know. And uh, it's the same with all these pay-per-views. They used to have a little bit more of a pronounced kind of... uh, format or whatever i remember survivor series there was some perception about surviving or, or some such thing but nowadays it's just kind of a another just another pay-per-view and all these other ones i don't know there's not you know they give them all these flashy names like battleground and uh payback and all this other but you know all they are is just another pay-per-view or other excuse to get people to pay uh whatever they can extract from them for pay-per-view money or whatever. But uh, but I think they really need to re-examine a lot of those things. And as we said long earlier in the show, I, th- I think there's too many people that are perpetrating the decisions down there that have no wrestling background, maybe no passion for wrestling and no you know, uh, understanding of how it works. And, uh, yeah. you know, it it unfortunately uh, kind of detracts from the uh, result when you have uh, all those elements that are not conducive to uh, progress. But mm-hmm. That's just my perception. But. Oh, I absolutely, Bruce. And before before I wrap up this interview and let you go for the evening, um, first of all, I wanted to uh, to uh, thank you for being on my show once again. And also, I was wondering if you could possibly share you know, an own heart story um, because I've often wondered since I've known you and uh, be- uh, before I've known you, I've often wondered what type of person Owen really was. Owen was, uh, <laughs> he was, uh, he was a really genuine, uh, you know, warm-hearted person, and he, you probably heard about his, uh, sense of humor or his, uh, mm-hmm. but Owen, uh, he was one of those types who always just gave off very good energy to people, you know, and if and when he did any, uh, of these practical jokes or whatever, uh, he invariably did them, you know, uh, maybe when there was a lot of tension or there was a lot of, uh, you know, people that were, you know, uh, in bad moods or there was, you know, they'd maybe been having some, you know, adversity to deal with and, uh, when Owen did these things, it, it always lightened the, uh, and it kind of, uh, m- made people, uh, 
you know, kind of not not nearly as stressed or uptight as they had been. But Owen was uh, beyond all uh, beyond everything else. He was really just a genuinely decent person. You know, he'd uh, you know uh, when I he would go out of his way to uh, you know accommodate. Uh, you know, the ordinary people, you know, signing autographs or just, uh, you know, spending time, you know, whether he's talking with some kid in a wheelchair or some uh, some person that maybe had had some adversity. He would actually uh, sincerely go out of his way to, uh, you know, talk to them and uh, engage them, you know, that type of thing. And, uh one of the best things I found about Owen was he was uh, he was smart enough uh, to understand the interactive elements of wrestling to where mm-hmm. it's really all about you and your opponent interacting with each other, trying to bring out the best in each other, trying to get each other's stuff over, and in the course of that, including the fans in the equation to where the fans feel as if they're cheering or they're booing or whatever has a pronounced influence on the outcome. So in order to for that to happen, you have to shelve your egocentricity or put aside your kind of, you know, initiative where it's just about getting yourself over and, and you endeavor to kind of get your opponent and also kind of get the fans into the uh, mix. And, and Owen was uh, exceptional at that, you know. Uh, he And uh, that, that was one reason he was as respected and highly regarded as... Uh, and there's guys in the business like that right now that within the business you hear... Uh, good things being said about them like people like Randy Orton and I heard that about Hunter and I've heard that about uh, a few others back in the day Brett and Dynamite Kid was another one Ric Flair was another but they uh, they actually spent more time trying to get their opponent over than they were more concerned about that than they were about getting themselves over and they they uh, were never so insecure that they were worried about, uh, you know, the other guy getting over more than them or any of that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. Owen sort of epitomized that. Those are some of the subtle elements of working that uh, a lot of people don't understand why even like a Daniel Bryan, you know, and to me that was one of the reasons why Daniel Bryan was so revered and loved and uh, still respected because he was smart enough to realize that he uh, he could uh, get far more mileage out of selling than uh, just kicking ass. You know, he yeah. was far more able to get over, you know, being a victim than getting his hand raised every night. And, uh, you know, Owen was, was a guy who uh, understood those things and... Uh, that was one reason why he was as beloved by the other wrestlers because he uh, he was a team player. He went out of his way to uh, you know kind of make others feel good about themselves, and 
and just kind of you know uh, if you're ever in a dressing room, uh, it's it's really uh, conducive to a, a greater product if uh, if there's positive energy been given off rather than guys bitching and guys upset because they have to lose or have to drop a belt or any of these things, you know. Uh, and Owen was a great uh, kind of uh, inspiration, just, you know, subtle, you know, he, he would just kind of keep the ambience in the dressing room positive and he always had something nice to say to somebody and he was pretty genuine too. You'd ask, you know, how your kids are doing or how, uh, you know, and he was pretty sincere about it. You know, he wouldn't just, uh, you know, be blowing smoke or saying things without appearing to care, you know. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah, he, he was just a good person, and it, uh, it kind of transcended into his work in the ring. And, uh, and you know, I, I think that's one reason why he's his... Uh, Iconic and revered today. I might add, I've uh, I've been clamoring and kind of you know campaigning for Owen to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. To me, it's frankly a bit of a travesty, or it's almost uh, you know something wrong with it that he hasn't he, been in, he, inducted already. You know, given it's fifteen yeah. years and. Uh, you know, he wasn't just uh, the only WWE superstar to die in the line of duty, but uh, he, he was a legitimate champion and a star, so mm-hmm. I would think it would be a very, very uh, well-received uh, initiative on their part if they... Uh, I have proposed this to uh, Vince McMahon, mm-hmm. you know, uh for quite a while, you know, that Owen, and in fact, I believe a couple of other Stampede Wrestling alumni that attained stardom in the WWE, uh, namely Davey Boy and Dynamite Kid as well, are, uh, you know, those three in themselves are conspicuous by their absence from the WWE Hall of Fame, and when you're telling me you got, uh, you know, people like... uh, Bob Eucher, and, uh, yeah. um, some of these other, uh, William the Refrigerator, Perry, and uh, Mr. T, and all like that, but you're not dying, my kid, or Owen Hart, or Davy Boy Smith. Yeah. You know, it doesn't speak well for the integrity of that, you know, uh, institution, you know. So, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, those are just some of my stories. I could probably go on all night with uh, Owen's stories, just some of the practical jokes he pulled and some of the uh, the little things he did. But he, you know, he he was uh, you know he was the type of guy who would just on his day off go to the maybe up to the children's hospital and uh, say hi to some of the kids that were in there and bring some pictures or you know he, he didn't wasn't doing it because he was asked to. He just sort of uh, do it because he thought it might brighten up their mm-hmm. day a bit, you know, that type of thing. And uh, he was never seeking any uh, any credit or any, uh, you know, kind of exposure for it. But he, he was just sort of a pretty genuinely uh, decent person, you know, and... Uh, and uh, 
I uh, I'm appreciative that you saw fit to uh, uh, address that. Though with all in all, you know, I appreciate your having been a big supporter of his for all these years. You know, and uh, and I would hope maybe if our friends in the WWE uh, ever hear any of this, that they might uh, reconsider. Mm-hmm. inducting him into their Hall of Fame, I would think that it's uh, certainly uh, he's most deserving candidate. You know, I can't think of anyone who's more deserving, in fact, than than him. You know, or as I mentioned, some of our other colleagues, Davy Boy and Dynamite and Luthez and guys like that. But mm-hmm. can you imagine if you know that those just those four names in themselves were? announced his uh, inductees for next year's Hall of Fame, I think would be a very uh, huge reaction, you know. That that would be great because I think that Owen should have been in the Hall of Fame long ago, just my opinion. It's long overdue. Yeah, I uh, I believe so, you know. I, I, I think if there's any way for fans to uh, perhaps... Uh, you know, maybe on your web page or your Facebook or whatever, Justin, maybe you get some of your listeners, uh, just, you know, sending their input, you know, whether they agree with that or not, you know, if they think Owen should be uh, a worthy candidate for the Hall of Fame. I, I don't think that would be, you know, a bad idea maybe for them to, you know, offer their input, and you could perhaps even uh, extend your uh, message to the people in Connecticut about, mm-hmm. you know, the fans are uh, behind this initiative. Oh, oh absolutely, because I guarantee it, Bruce. I would pro- like, I could, I could send out a Facebook status right now, and I guarantee you, I would get a hundred yeses for Owen being inducted into the Hall of Fame, I guarantee it. And if it if it uh, comes off, Justin, maybe uh, if you know if it if and when, then uh, I'd certainly uh, love to invite you down to the uh, Hall of Fame induction wherever it takes place in uh, the next WrestleMania or whenever, and uh, maybe get a chance to. Uh, uh, meet you down there at that, you know, see what happens. Oh, that would be great, Bruce. I'd be, I'd be honored, my friend. I, I, tr- I truly would. Yeah, and I'd be, uh, I'd be gratified to see it happen, you know, it kind of restore some of my, uh, faith in the, uh, in the whole, you know, the WWE. And I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not deluding myself or I'm not holding my breath either. But I would be pleased if WWE uh, saw fit to undertake some of the initiatives we've been discussing here. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think they would be in the best interest of the wrestling business and that, that should be the ultimate uh determining factor in what they do you know what's good for the business what's good for the fans what's mm-hmm. good for the foundation of this sport you know and mm-hmm. that's that's pretty 
that's where I'm coming from. You know, none of these things are my own agendas or anything. I don't, you know, I'm not a, you know, an, an individual factor in any of it. But I'm just offering perspectives based on, you know, being a fan and having, uh, you know, uh, been in this business for most of my life and my father before that, and just kind of my own estimation. It's kind of the least I can do or the least the heart can do is maybe give something back to the business because it's certainly given us a lot, you know. So I have a lot of uh, respect and a lot of kind of uh, gratitude for that, you know. So that's that's really where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. Well, please tell your children that I said hello and... Yeah, to, yeah, my son Rhett, who's uh, got CP, uh, mm -hmm. his eyes always light up. He gets a big smile on his face when I tell him I'm going to be doing a radio show with you. So I'll, uh, I'll definitely tell him that, and I'll, uh, I'll maybe see if I can uh, play back the uh, some parts of the uh, of the program for him. You know, he'll be. Uh, Mm -hmm. He'll be happy, you know. He uh, always has a great uh, amount of, you know, kind of excitement whenever I mention your name to him. So he'll he'll be happy that I uh, did the show with you tonight. Oh, that that's wonderful. It's like it's like a connection, Bruce. Is what it is. It's a connection. So yeah, and a yeah. strong a strong bond. So I appreciate mm -hmm. it. Oh, absolutely! Because you you have done you have done a lot for me, and it it just, it brings joy to me to to know that I'm well respected in the Hart family. Because I tell my friends all the time that I'm respected by the Hart family all the time, and they just think that that's you know amazing. So that just brings joy to me, just to have that respect. Well, I'm I'm happy to hear that, Justin, and I'll. Uh... Uh, look forward to the next chance I have to come on your program and uh, maybe follow up on some of the uh, things we've discussed here. Oh, oh, absolutely! And I, I have a wonderful idea, Bruce. Um, maybe like for um, Owen's birthday, you can come back on the show and share some funny stories. You know, we could do a tribute. Show to Owen or something. Yeah, or any time, you know. That's like mm -hmm. Owen's birthday's May seventh, so uh, mm -hmm. it's way a ways away. But uh, yeah, any time, you know. And if some of these things seem to uh, maybe materialize or uh, start uh, gaining some momentum, uh, feel free to call me, and we'll uh, maybe pick up the loose ends from there. Well, I, absolutely, Bruce, and any time that you need me, you know how to get a hold of me, my friend. Yeah, I'll do that, uh, Just, Justin, in the uh, meantime and in between time, as uh, Ed Whalen used to say here. Um, it's been a pleasure to come on the radio, and uh, I look forward to the next time, and thank you for the fine, as they say. Th thank you, Bruce, and... Um, I'm probably going to have this up pretty quickly 
on my on my channel. So what I'm going to do once it's posted, I will make sure and send uh, Bob a link. That way he can send it to you somehow. That way you can hear this. So. That's great, Justin. My son Rhett will be uh, delighted if he gets a chance to hear it. So I'll uh, get a hold of Bob and uh, look forward to it. And uh, thank you again for your time, Bruce. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, and uh, I'll uh, I'll look forward to the next time, Justin. All the best to uh, all the listeners and uh, say hi to your family for me. I, I sure will. Okay, all the best, my friend. You take care. Take care, Bruce. Hey, mindless fans, come turn up September 28th at the Redondo Beach Performing Arts Center for the Cool to Be Smart Tour with Mindless Behavior and Friends, hosted by Big Mike Rob and Mindless Behavior, with special guests Julie, Laura, Love Jones Girls, HD, Little Rossi, Lady X, and Colton B. Doors open at 5 p.m. Tickets are on sale now at amg.tix.com or call 661-998-3787.